Well, good morning, everybody. Um, oh, thank you. Awesome. I was going to say, I go to North Central University, and we have chapel every day, and we're very vocal there. We have a lot of like people going, amen, amen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So feel free to be vocal and respond as I preach today. But there you go. We got, we, we got one. There it is. Um, but yeah, like uh, Pastor Mark was saying, my name is Evan Perkey. I've had the privilege of being the intern here at um, Portview Church this summer. I am 20 years old. I'm going to my junior year at North Central University, um, and it's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and I am studying. <laughs> Sweet man, I, I said I said uh, get responses, and it's just working today, I guess. Um, but yeah, I am studying pastoral ministry with a personal emphasis on youth ministry, um, and I really, really love God. Um, and can I share with you quickly why I think God is just so, so cool? So arguably, we live on the only planet that can sustain life, the only planet that has all the right ingredients for life. We're the right distance from the sun so that we don't burn up nor freeze. We have the right atmospheric pressure for water on our surface. We have just the right amount of water so we have seas and land. We have just the right amount of oxygen. Given a little too much, we'd um, all suffer from oxygen toxicity. Um, And any less than we'd all suffocate, Right? The earth rotates, tilts, and orbits just perfectly so that we have seasons, days, and nights. The gravitational pull of the sun is just perfect that we neither drift off into space or fall off the surface of the earth. That would be interesting. And that's just talking about the earth, not to mention the circle of life and the dependency of everything to each other. How is that not an intelligent and intentional creator? And even human um, consciousness, right? How can physical atoms and molecules create something in a separate domain that has no physical existence? There are so many things to prove God exists. And to be honest, I think we sometimes forget to be fascinated by God because that's how I fall more in love with him every single day. And it's cool that we can have this like personal friendship with our creator, right? But yeah, my parents are here today um, with my grandparents as well in the back. My parents flew all the way from Ukraine to hear me preach. Not actually, they're here for a conference. Um, But the timing was good. But yes, my parents are missionaries to Ukraine, and that's where I grew up the majority of my life. And actually, because of your guys' giving to Kingdom Builders, my parents can continue their work in Ukraine. So thank you for doing that. Um... It was a childhood different from a lot of people, but one that I'm extremely, extremely grateful for. I've been blessed to see a lot of the world and interact with all kinds of people and cultures, and it's something that I thank God every day for. Um, But enough about myself. When I was preparing for what I felt like God wanted me to speak with you guys about, I kept coming back to one verse that has meant a lot to me um, over my walk uh, with the Lord. You see, When I made my faith my own, I knew that freedom from sin was one of the main focal points of becoming a follower of Christ, right? Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we can find freedom from sin and the repercussions of it. It's something that I was overwhelmingly grateful for. for. Um, Yeah, and when when I realized the freedom that I have from sin, I quickly found out that the temptation from sin is something that was all still real. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, temptation. So for all my note takers this morning, the title of my message is The Way of Escape. And I encourage you guys to take notes during all messages you hear because it's actually shown that taking notes improves learning and remembering drastically. Note takers, I believe, are history makers and world changers. I mean, why would you come to church if not to learn and grow in relationship with Christ and become more and more like Jesus? But I'm not condemning those who don't take notes. I sometimes don't take notes. I get lazy and I just don't. I just don't do it on 
Sunday mornings. But I encourage you guys, if you don't take notes, to have a heart and mind postured on progress and growth when you come to church on Sunday mornings. But moving on, before we read our main text for today, I would love to share with you guys why I love the Bible so much and why I think it can truly transform our hearts. Now, you guys might be wondering, sitting here today, why should I even open up my Bible if you're just going to read the verse to me right on the screen or right here and I can just listen anywhere? You might actually be thinking, sitting here today, why should I even read my Bible at all? Well, it has been said that the Bible is a book about real people with real problems who found God, found purpose, found God's direction, and found God's strength to overcome. And I'm pretty sure we're all real people here, and I can guarantee you that I have real problems, and I'm sure you guys do as well. And I think that the Bible is different from any other book in existence because of the sole fact that it is God-breathed. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that the many different authors of the Bible were inspired by God when they were writing the different books of the Bible, and the words that they were writing were chosen by God. Now, I believe that books can be inspired by God, and people can be inspired by God to write different books. And I believe that there are books that are written right now and that are probably sitting on the shelves of Barnes & Noble that were inspired by God. But I think that the difference in the thing that makes the Bible unique compared to any other book in existence or that will exist is that the words in it were actually chosen by God. So when the literal creator of the universe creates a book that's not just words on a page, but it's actually the correct and the best way to live this life, I think we should read that with intention. The Bible also isn't a rule book, as many people view it to be. While it has rules in it, it's actually a love letter. It's the story of God's heart for his people. You know how your parents would put rules in place for you as a kid, or how you yourself would put rules for, in place for your kids, like don't touch the stove when it's hot. Um, you know, you know why you don't touch the stove when it's hot? Because it's hot, right? And they don't want you to get hurt because they love you. It's the same with God. He loves us, so he puts rules in place in order that we don't burn our hands, but we always do. But when we do, we end up with burns and scars from our mistakes. But I'm thankful for God's grace and Jesus' sacrifice so that the scars and burns that we get from constantly disobeying God will heal and find restoration through Jesus. So when you open up your app for your Bible or you open up your paper version of the Bible, I believe that when you read it with your eyes and with your heart, it is a different experience than reading any other book. When I read the Bible, there's a certain like energy that I feel that radiates from the words that I, when I read it, and I agreed with my friends that that's something that we um, agreed upon. And for a long time, my friends and I were trying to figure out like what that energy really was. And when we actually figured it out, Um, the energy that we were feeling was because the words in the Bible are truth. The stories that happen in the Bible actually happen. The writings in the Bible are God communicating with us. The Bible is our source for faith and practice. So the Bible is a gateway of communication to God. Now, it's not the only way of communication to God, but it is a way of communication. So I think it's pretty cool that when only a handful of people in the history of the world have heard the audible voice of God, Everyone that exists has this book that it is a gateway of communication to God, and we can actually read it with our own eyes and hearts, the words that God is trying to speak to us. Right, so if you guys could actually rise today, if you can, while we read God's word, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I will be reading out of the New Living Translation, and we'll be breaking this verse down today, but in this writing, we find Paul, a man that actually used to participate in killing Christians, 
who was transformed by the power of God and is now considered one of the most influential figures in the Christian faith. He's writing this letter to believers in a place called Corinth. It's this thriving city where the church there was being torn apart by things like spiritual immaturity and people taking sides against each other. So Paul says in chapter 10, verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you this morning for um, this opportunity that we can gather together as followers of you, eager to grow in learning how to love like you loved more and more every day. Lord, I ask that you will help me speak what you want um, me to speak and that our hearts and ears be open and focused to how you teach us to escape the temptations and trials that the enemy in this life throw at us. We love you. Amen. You guys may be seated this morning. To look further in the context of this verse, Paul had been dealing with several problems that were going on in the church in Corinth. And one of those problems had been uh, the way that some of the Christians were enjoying and using their freedoms and liberties in Christ uh, to the harm of other fellow Christians. They were partaking of things and participating in practices that, while perhaps in and of itself weren't wrong, they were harming the consciences of other fellow Christians within the church family. And one of those practices was that of eating meat that had been served to an idol in a pagan temple. The meat itself was fine. Eating the meat was okay. Yet some would consider it unclean now because of its offering to an idol. But the eating of it carelessly and thoughtlessly was not only hurting the consciences of other brothers and sisters, but it was also even leading some of the eaters dangerously close to the edge of sin themselves. So it wasn't the... The thing that they were doing wasn't necessarily wrong, but it was hurting the people around them. That was the big deal. But let's all be careful, folks, not to let the vegans figure this verse out. Because, oh man, I love Chick-fil-A and my steak and my, you know, uh, I'm kidding. I think vegan diets are actually really good for you, and I totally, totally understand. Um, but yes, let's keep this part of scripture a little discreet, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, this verse falls in the middle of that discussion, right? Verse 13, and I believe it helps to see the context of what came before it and what comes after it, to fully understand what the verse is saying. So before it, in verses 1 to 12, Paul had warned his brothers and sisters of the danger of using their liberties in Christ in such a way as to dabble too close to the edges of sin. He even lists things like sexual immorality, testing God, and grumbling. In verse 12, Paul summed it up by saying, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. And for a lot of us, we need to take that to heart. And after this verse, in verses 14 and onward, it seems that Paul goes on to take a very direct approach. He urges these eaters to run away from a particularly dangerous sin that they were drawing dangerously close to. And so Paul told them, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. There are certain sins that demand a very drastic action from us, and this is one of them. We're not, tr we're not to try to resist idolatry or try to negotiate terms of peace with it. We must run from it, flee. And our verse this morning stands right in the middle of these two sections, right? One that warns us that we, we who think we are strong in the faith must be careful not to fall. And the other one that urges us to flee decisively from idolatry. And verse 13 then gives us important information that we need to have in order to do as Paul tells us in the larger context of this chapter. So let me read it again. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. 
and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This verse should be a comfort to us, right? Now, this verse affirms to us that whenever temptation comes, there is a way of escape. And before we go any further, it's important that we understand the nature of that escape. So when I say way of escape, I suspect for many people in this room, many different things come to mind. Some people might confuse the sort of escape that Paul talks about with a kind of like escapist behavior. Those who engage in this kind of escapism try to deal with their problems by dulling themselves to it uh, in some type of way through things like drugs or alcohol, or perhaps even through distracting themselves with entertainment or through some habit or practice. And it doesn't even have to be a negative practice either, right? People will distract themselves with self-improvement practices like exercise or the pursuit of intelligence. Many different things can be used to distract ourselves from, with this escapist behavior. Other people may confuse the escape mentioned in this verse with like a figurative kind of escape, right? Like simply taking a vacation. Travel companies talk that way often, don't they? They call a vacation package an escape or a getaway. And that becomes just a matter of simply removing oneself from the trying situation uh, or going away from the place where the trials are, but you still end up having to come right back to where the trial is when the vacation is over and there's really no help in that. But I believe that we can only rightly understand this escape that God provides for us, this kind of exit from our trial or our trouble or test, if we see it not so much as an escape from something, but as an escape to someone. God's way of escape is always an escape to the person of Jesus himself. That is to cast ourselves upon him for his help and strength in every trial and temptation that we go with. Fill your heart with Jesus, not with the self-gratifying efforts that you think will fill you. Let Jesus come to your rescue. It will change your life. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So, let's remember that the way of escape that Paul is talking about means nothing less than running to Jesus himself and seeking our help in him in a time of testing and trial. Now, let's take a look together at this verse, and I want to go through five principles that I see for dealing with times of temptation to sin. Think of it almost as like a game plan when temptation or simply anything difficult comes into you, into your life. So we can use this verse as sort of like a game plan, right? The first thing to remember in all of this is that your temptation is not unusual. Paul writes in the beginning of verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. A big question asked regarding temptation is why are we tempted? Why would God even allow us to be tempted? My first answer is free will. God gives us a choice because he loves us. He gave us a choice at the beginning of time, and we chose to disobey him and to give in to sin. So temptation was even present at the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. So the next question is, why would God even let the devil in the garden? Right? Everything would be so much easier if the devil just wasn't in the garden, and we'd just be hanging out in the Garden of Eden, eating all this nice fruit, right? Well, salvation is not authentic unless a competing voice is present. Salvation is not authentic unless a competing voice is present. You have to be able to choose Jesus by being able not to choose Jesus. 
That's why your worship is such a weapon. That's why the devil wants to disqualify you in your mind. He can't stand the fact that you're his replacement. The reason why the enemy hates you so much is because you and I get to worship God out of choice. He failed once and got kicked out. We fail all the time and God still wants to hear from us. The enemy works in mysterious ways, let me tell you. And temptation is one of the greatest tools that he uses to distract us from our Father. But we must remember these words in James 1, 12 to 15. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. We chose sin in the garden, and when we choose our own desires absent from God, they will grow like a weed and leave nothing left. Sometimes, when we're going through a particular trial or temptation, we might be inclined to think that we're the only one who's ever experienced such a thing, just as I used to think. We might even feel a bit ashamed because of our temptation or trial as if experiencing it shows that there's something like uniquely wrong with us. But that's not the case at all. Let me tell you, the thing we all have in common, excluding Jesus, is that we have all failed. We have all failed. Let it come for you today that we've all failed. I failed. Everyone in this room has failed. And you and I will never experience a temptation that does not have a long history going back from Adam all the way up to us. Others had experienced it long before us. Others are experiencing it right now. All have fallen, but some have been given victory. There is no temptation that has seized us or taken hold of us, but what is common to fallen humanity. Let's be comforted knowing that someone came before us and endured temptation just like you and me and conquered every single one. In Hebrews 2.18, it says, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And if God's going to make you like Jesus, he's going to take you through everything Jesus went through, right? Jesus wasn't spared from difficulty, guys. Were there times when Jesus was lonely? Yes. Were there times that Jesus was misunderstood? Yes. Were there times when Jesus was disappointed by people? Yes. Were there times when Jesus was discouraged and wanted to give up? Yes. Were there times when Jesus was tempted? Yes. If God let his own son go through that, don't you think he's going to let you go through it too? Yes. And why? Because to be honest, God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. Now, it may not be that Jesus was tempted in exactly the same way and in exactly the same kind of circumstances as us. But Jesus, as he walked on this earth, felt every kind of temptation that we could ever feel and yet never sinned. He never gave in to what was easy, and he now remains at the right hand of the Father and yet is compassionate towards us in our struggles. You may be tempted by money, laziness, lust. You may be faced with a trial of unemployment, of difficult people, of anxiety, of the fear of the unknown. It really could be anything. But know this. These are the people that we read about in the word of God that were used by him and, like I said before, are not different in the trials and temptations that they faced and dealt with in their society and social pressures. So here we go. Noah, right, Noah and the ark, got drunk. Jacob lied. Joseph in the coat was abused. Moses was a murderer and had difficulty speaking. Gideon was afraid. 
Rahab was a prostitute. David was a murderer and adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. And Paul participated in murder. If you know anything about the Bible, you've heard of at least a couple of these names. And these are some of the most notable names in Scripture. And they were used by God even in their failure to sin. Every temptation we experience has a long history going back from Adam all the way up to us. And when we take the way of escape to him, we're going to the one who understands us best. Second, we must remember in trial and temptation that God remains faithful in it. So no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. And then Paul says, and God is faithful. What does this mean that God is faithful? I believe it means above all else that our God remains faithful to, and true to who he is. He never changes. He never violates any of his holy standards. In times of temptation, we are tempted to change or violate God's standards in some way. The majority of times when we're tempted, that's what happens. We are prone to wander, right? If we keep our eyes on ourselves or on our own circumstances or even on other people, we may find ourselves wandering. But if we keep our eyes on him, we are keeping our focus on the one who never changes and never fails. But I believe there's something more for us in this. To say that God is faithful would also mean that he is faithful to us. He not only never changes from his holy standards, but neither does he ever change from his sovereign purpose or calling for us. He has set aside himself forever in Christ, and all that he has destined for us in Christ will absolutely come to fulfillment. God has a rich inheritance for us in Christ, and he is not only keeping it in reserve for us in heaven, but he is also exercising his great power to bless us here on earth. So let's remember that in every trial or temptation that God is faithful both to who he is and to what he has purposed for us in Christ. The third principle to remember is that God puts limitations on its power. Here's a really, really remarkable thing. Our trials and temptations are never outside of God's control. The Bible teaches us that he never tempts anyone to sin, right? We just read that a couple minutes ago. But he also exercises control over those temptations. Now, we need to understand this carefully. Paul does not mean for us to understand, as people sometimes say with this uh, verse, that God will never give you anything greater than you can handle. After all, if you, if you could handle it, then you never need to turn to Jesus. Paul himself experienced trials that were beyond his ability to handle. In the very next letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul wrote, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability, ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Imagine that, the great apostle Paul, right? Even if he experienced times of testing that were so great that he wanted to die, Clearly, God allowed him to experience far more than he could handle, but he went on to say, in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. So then, how do we understand Paul's promise that God will not allow you and I to be tempted beyond what we are able? We need to understand it to mean that God will never give us more than we can handle with absolute trust in him. Let's always remember that our Father loves us infinitely in Christ. We are the most important thing in the universe to him. He gave his own son to save us. 
He will never allow anything to come into our lives that would destroy us, but only what will drive us to him so that we learn to trust him and to depend on him and discover how sufficient Jesus Christ is for us. The fourth principle this verse teaches us is that with temptation, God always provides a way of escape. So Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Right? And number two, God is faithful. And three, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And four, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out. Now we have an amazing promise in this verse that as long as we walk this earth, we will be able to escape times of temptation. And God makes that way of escape. Now, I believe that in each trial, we need to pay careful attention to what God's word tells us to do about it, and then do that thing faithfully. For example, when it came to the temptation to idolatry that the Corinthians were suffering under, God's instruction was to flee idolatry, run from it. It may be that different types of trials and different circumstances of temptation involve different instructions from God's word. But in each case, we need to carefully do what God's word tells us to do about it. But we can take it with absolute confidence and trust in God's promise that in times of trial, we will hear the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit telling us what that escape is in accordance with his word. And when he does, we must take it and run right to Jesus. I want to tell you guys a quick story um, involving exactly that that happened to me. It was... Uh, about a year and a half ago, I think it was a sophomore at North Central, and I went to a worship night at this church called River Valley Church. It's a really big, kind of mega church in Minneapolis. It's got a ton of campuses. It's really big. Um, and I went with uh, some friends of mine, and it was a really awesome night of like celebration, of breakthrough for me, and just a lot of people. It was awesome. But I had this moment where I was on my knees, and I was uh, being honest with my brokenness to God about a habitual sin that I've been dealing with for a long, long time. And I was sitting there, and I vocally, like I, it was a very loud room, so I felt comfortable scream, screaming, right? And I said, I was like, God, I'm done with this. Like, this is so tiring. Like, it overtakes my thoughts. Like, I keep thinking, and I keep, it's just, it's ruining my life. Like, I'm so done with this. And in the big, loud noise of the room, everyone screaming, everyone praising God, going crazy, I heard it clear as day, like, right in my heart. I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but it was almost like I did. And he said, he said two things. And I'll always remember it. He said, I am with you, and I will give you strength. He didn't say, oh, you're done. Like, you're good. No, you know, you're done with the temptation. I'll free you from the temptation. You're all good. He said, I am with you, and I will give you strength. From that moment on, I understood that even in the times of temptation, when I still deal with the temptation from this, that God will be there with me, and he will help me through it, and then I can overcome it. Lastly, the final promise that this verse gives us about those times of testing and temptation is that trusting in Christ, you can endure. So let's go through it one more time. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out, and five, so that you can endure it. So temptations will come. And there will be times when we fail. And praise God that the promise of his word in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 1 is, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. So we got Jesus on our side, and that's pretty cool. This promise, though, says that if we do fall into temptation, 
we can gain victory over it. And when we take the way of escape, run to Jesus and trust him, we will be helped by him to endure the temptations and trials that come upon us. I challenge you guys today to memorize this verse or even just write it down and put it on your fridge or hang it in your bedroom. Even uh, James chapter 1 verses 12 to 15 is a really, really great verse too that I use today. You never know when temptation can come. I even know that temptation comes the strongest when you're alone. Even for Jesus, temptation came strongest when he was in isolation. And we need to remember the promise that this verse of truth brings, that when temptation comes, we're not experiencing anything unusual. Jesus experienced it too. Remember that our God is faithful both to who he is and to what he has purposed to make us in Christ. Let's trust that he has put limitations on that temptation so that he will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle within trusting him. And remember that with each temptation that comes, our God has made a way of escape so that we can instead run to Jesus and not rely on ourselves. So let's run to Jesus knowing that he shows us grace and helps us through every temptation and trial that life may throw at us. Now I ask you guys, is there a part of your life today that you thought would never change? Maybe a a habitual sin that you thought God could never transform, this part of your life that you're thinking, I don't know, like, God, you transform my heart, right? But there's this one thing that I just, I don't, I don't know if he can, I don't know if this can happen. The word of God says that it can be done, and we actually talked about it today, right? So I want to take a moment to pray to God and think about an area in your life that has felt impossible to change. Ask God for freedom, be honest with your brokenness, and reflect on the truth in this verse. So let's take a moment of, of silence just to reflect on your own life and what you are dealing with with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. God, we know that you are our Father and you love us so much. You have provided us the freedom through your Son from the repercussions of sin. But we know that trials and temptations are still present and the enemy is still working. But help us to rest in the truth that you have provided us the ability to escape from any temptation that this life throws at us and that we can run to Jesus to get us through. Reveal to us areas in our lives that we need change and help us walk in the truth that healing is possible. We love you. In Jesus' name.